Algar Productions. Welcome to the Post-Atomic Batman the Animated Series Podcast, with your hosts, Ron Algarwatt and Matt Robotham. Covering Season 1, Episode 51, The Man Who Killed Batman, and Season 3, Episode 11, Over the Edge. Hi, friends. We're talking about Batman again. Yep. This is the thing we do a lot. <laughs> it's apparently the thing we do when we're not talking about Star Trek, is we'll pretty much default to Batman. If you if you leave us to our own devices, mm-hmm. this is what we'll do. Yep. Uh, you know, not sorry. No. We do we, a lot we, worse. We were trying to think of things that we both like, mm-hmm. and this is one of those things. Yeah. This is, as we've mentioned, as, as longtime listeners may remember, this was going to be the show after Star Trek ended. Yeah. We were gonna we were gonna do the whole Bruce Tim universe, starting with Batman the animated series, and then going on to Superman and Batman Beyond, and finished out with uh, what Unlimited, Justice League, and then yeah, Justice League Unlimited. Yeah, uh, that would have kept us busy for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And there's almost no duds in there. Like there's a there's an episode here or there, but yeah, like there's a Batman episode where there's evil farm animals. That's not the best one. <laughs> oh no, I gotta fight these evil farm animals. Yeah, but. Uh, I was about to say, is that, is that Will Arnett? He's not Batman, but he is. He is Batman. He's a very good yes. Batman. Yeah, that's that's what I understand. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not as good as, as this guy. No. This this is the guy. Yeah, he... Okay, we... So we were talking about this before the episode. I was watching the, uh, the, the CW Crisis crossover was this week. Mm-hmm. And seeing him finally on screen, he's not in the costume, but he is wearing, like, the power suit from Kingdom Come. And mm-hmm. it's so fucking cool. They they okay. So spoilers for the next minute or so. Uh-huh. It's nothing really major, but like like when he shows up, the first thing you hear is the voice calling from upstairs. Uh huh. And it's just like, oh god, this is awesome. Yep. And that's the thing. Even if they had only cast him, you know, his voice. Mm-hmm. But you know, he is an actor. Like, oh yeah, he's he's not only a voice actor. Like, it's not a stretch to get him like to to appear in a thing Mm -hmm. it's just you know he doesn't really look like batman but boy does he sound like now this is the thing he's i think the first person to ever give bruce wayne and batman different voices i think that was like what gave him the edge in the beginning yeah i've heard that and when you do it like it's it feels like the most obvious thing in the world you know well that's the thing thinking of it now it's like that can't possibly be right this show started in 1992 Mm -hmm. how did how was batman already around for 50 years and someone just thought of that Mm -hmm. he was already on the radio and in movies and in cartoons like there's been a lot of batman voices how is this the first guy to think of that i mean there's that great joke in batman 66 where batman and bruce wayne have a phone call together and they sound exactly the same I mean, Adam West doesn't have a second voice. Nope. And for that show, he didn't need one. Nope. But, uh, yeah, that that was, you know, and this guy has played this character. I mean, he's still playing this character. Yep. Not just in, in this uh, stunt casting show that's bringing back a bunch of people, but, mm-hmm. you know, still in video games. Yeah, and... he was uh, in uh, Arkham City or Arkham, oh, the, whatever the fuck the last Arkham game the was. The third Arkham game, yeah. Arkham Knight, yeah. And, and also every now and then, like the Bruce Timm team is still doing... Uh, direct-to-DVD yeah. adaptations of various comics, and he shows up, like, not every time, but every now and then. Yeah. No, it's like, if if a Batman project is happening, like, you hope that they're gonna bring, uh, that you hope that they're gonna bring Kevin Conroy out to voice Batman, because he's just, there's a lot of good Batman actors, but he's the best one. Yeah. 
you know? Yeah, I'm, he absolutely is. And he's been doing it since 1992. Mm-hmm. That is a very long time. And I, you know, I know it's, it's 27 years ago. I know this because that's the year I, gr- I graduated high school. That's yeah. how long ago it was. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, uh, and he's still great at it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Why don't we just kick this off? Because we're just going to gush about how great the show is. And we should probably get a little more specific. Yeah, so. probably. Let me tell you about the episode Matt picked called The Man Who Killed Batman. Rupert Thorne, Gotham's 30, 30th most menacing crime lord, hey, there's a lot of competition in this ridiculous town, receives a visit from a hangusy little fellow calling himself Sid the Squid. And then Sid the Squid proceeds to tell us how he earned that name by apparently becoming the titular man who killed Batman. Okay, three questions. One, why isn't he the squid who killed Batman? Two, why Sid the Squid? And three, Batman's not actually dead. Okay, that one's not a question. The important takeaway here is he managed to nab Batman's cape and cowl, which I'm pretty sure is universal code for I killed this superhero. See also, the crest on Batman's helmet! (laughs) So, the entire Gotham underworld thinks Sid murdered the Bat with his many tentacles and cloud of deadly ink, and rather than this leading to his being respected and revered by the city's many, many, many criminals, it somehow means that they're all constantly challenging him so they could be the man who killed the man who killed Batman. And then there's the Joker. No, not some incel dancing on the stairs. I mean the actual Joker. (laughs) Mark motherfucking Hamill. Despite his name and permanent smile, the Joker is not happy. Not because he wanted to kill Batman, but because he specifically wanted to keep doing their ridiculous I almost caught you and one day I'm going to make you insane like me dance and uh, now this fucking cephalopod comes in and ruins everything. So the Joker tosses him in a coffin and tosses that coffin into a vat of acid. And while I understand this is meant to kill him, it's a little weird that the Joker didn't consider that a man could survive a fall into a giant vat of acid, considering that this is his very origin story. (laughs) And wouldn't you know it, our little sucker-encrusted sea creature with three hearts lives to tell the tale to Rupert Thorne. Yes, dummy, of course he didn't die. This is all a flashback. Anyway, then it turns out Batman isn't really dead because of course he fucking isn't. And then he bam, pows his way through Thorne and his goons and finally sends Sid to the one place he always wanted to go. Prison. I'd have assumed the sea myself, but there's a lot I don't know about squids, it turns out. <laughs> How much squid research went into this, uh, this I summary? Did, I did Google facts about squids. <laughs> but I just went with, like, the first page. I didn't, you know, I didn't do a deep dive. I didn't, I didn't go for the deep sea squid. Like the squid itself, you didn't do a deep dive. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I really so. like this one. Yeah, I'm curious why you picked this one, because it's it's certainly not bad. Like I said, there's not a lot of bad episodes, but uh, why this one? They, you're not. This isn't going to surprise anybody, but I had a lot. I had a lot of options for this one. I sent Al a list last week. Yeah, you, like, uh, which one are you going to do? Laid out about five of them. And yeah, like, I, I'd love to do all of them. I'd still and that was, just love to do that podcast we talked about. And they were that was just off the top of my head, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This one spoke to me for some reason, and I think it's just because I remember it being a very weird little episode. Okay. Like it's not it, it's definitely not bad. Oh no, no, no. I'm not I'm not saying why'd you pick this one? It's terrible. I'm just curious why like why this one speaks to you. But I had a couple of pri- I had a couple of uh priorities for this. No, I had one priority and it was that I wanted the Joker to be in my episode. Okay. Because I couldn't you, remember him being you, in over the edge. That's no, he wasn't. I mean, I think he appears visually, but if he has a line, it's like one line. Yeah. Um but the Joker's in like twenty episodes, so I mean, you still had a lot to choose. Well, from. and I also wanted a good episode. Oh, that's and, I mean, fair. So he's in a narrows... ton of good episodes, but like yeah. that narrows it down to about fifteen. Yeah, this one, this one's just—it's a weird take, and it's a weird thing to do for like a kids' show at the time. You know, it's like Batman's oh, there's... barely in this episode. 
Yeah. There's so many episodes that I, like, if we had ever done that podcast we mm -hmm. talked about, it would have been called Kids Love Batman. Yep. Because Amanda and I, whenever we watch this show or any of the other Bruce Tim shows, and there's all this, there's a lot of sexy talk, there's a lot mm -hmm. of violence, there's a lot of really over-the-top violence. Yep. And uh, in the next one in particular. Um, and I can't, uh, we'll get to this, but I can't believe yeah. that next episode aired. I know. And and our reaction is always, well, kids must love this. Kids uh -huh. love Batman. And uh, yeah, I don't know how any of this got through. Like, it's very clear that one of the Joker's henchmen gets devoured alive by hyenas. Yep. And yes, he shows up with tattered clothes in the next scene. And I guarantee that was a network note. Like, uh -huh. guys, you can't, you you got to show him and you got to say his name and you got to make sure the kids know he didn't die because mm -hmm. it was very clear he died. But that's like... If you watch Alfred Hitchcock Presents and it's very clear, like, the wife got away with killing the husband, then he has to come out at the end in his dumb costume and say, of course she got caught. Like, every week. And That's of just course, for the... five seconds later, she was arrested. Because yeah, exactly. as we all know, crime does not pay. And that's, you know, that's the way to throw a bone to the standards and practices, mm -hmm. people. And that's, it feels like this show did that because they got away with so much. Yeah. Like... We're, Amanda and I watch a lot of movies from, uh, you know, the 30s and 40s. Sure. Like, a lot of the stuff that these uh, this show draws on, like, in its sort of noir vibe. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they weren't allowed to show in old crime movies was a Tommy gun. I yeah. don't know why. That's one of the things. Yep. This show's got them all over the place. It's. I remember at the time, like, so many cartoons I watched had cops that inexplicably, inexplicably had lasers. Yeah. And it's uh, just like, that's what that you is. did. Like, that's what you had to do. Yeah. Th I mean, G.I. Joe had that, too. And, of course, they would always parachute out of the plane. Exactly. This does not have that. No. Nope. legitimate Tommy shooting guns bullets. shooting bullets. Yep. And it's I, they talk about drugs in this one. Mm -hmm. Like, Rupert Thorne is, like, a drug kingpin. And they talk about shipments of drugs. And, okay, they don't get specific. They don't say a shipment of heroin no, or whatever. No, it's just but... drugs in that cartoon way. You know, capital D drugs. Yeah. But it's also not a very special episode talking about how drugs are bad. It's mm -hmm. just this is part of this criminal empire. And, you know, that's mm -hmm. that's a lot. Yeah. I just it's amazing to me how much they got yeah. away with. There's, this show just should not exist. And I know that it does is just something that delights me a lot. No. And there's there's uh, there's the famous story of uh, Bruce Tim uh, like wanting to draw everything over like on black I don't know if it was paper or cells. Like I'm not. I seem to remember it being black paper, but I could be wrong. Uh, uh, it's been a while since those uh, since those commentary tracks. Yeah, and I'm I'm honestly not in always incredibly clear on how the visual part of animation works. Mm -hmm. So don't correct me. The point is, he wanted to draw them on black, and everyone's like, "No, you can't do that." Mm -hmm. And when he did it, it looked amazing. It just added this extra layer. Yeah, of, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's such a good show, and, and fortunately, the copies we watched were in HD. Like, mm -hmm. they put these out on Blu-ray not too long ago, and it's it really stands up. Mm -hmm. Like, it looks amazing. Uh, but we were talking about Rupert Thorne, and this is kind of your bad thing. Yeah, yeah um, Rupert Thorne appears in this episode. Batman's answer to the Kingpin without the personality. And I was always bored when Batman fought, like, just the mob when I was a kid watching this show. And Rupert Thorne was just the worst He's not much better now, but, like, he gets arrested, so, I don't know, maybe he goes away after this, and then we get back to the best rogues gallery in comics. I don't know. I liked him okay. Like, the thing, 
The thing we would have talked about mm. if we had done that podcast is how my favorite version of every DC character is from this. Oh, know, yeah. From, from this universe. Every character, I think, is stupid in comics. They make great. And oh, God, yeah. not too bad. <laughs> he, he's, like, he's fine. You know there was that whole run of comics like Batman in like the 70s where there's almost no supervillains and it's just mob stuff all oh, the yeah. time. No, I, re I remember that stuff. But like, he's just, <laughs> you know, again, best rogues gallery in all the comics. And then there's this guy. Hello, See, Batman. I sell I like drugs. <laughs> I like Batman's villains, but I don't. I mean, and yeah, they probably are the best in comics. It's but that I or Spider-Man, but uh, but he's got a lot. I don't know. Like, there's there's some interesting guys, but there's also a lot of guys who've got nothing going on. Like the Penguin. What's I, that? I love That's the just Penguin. A, yeah, me too. But he's just a weird looking guy who's a mobster. Yep. Like, there's nothing there. You know what I mean? Like, and there's a lot of that. Like, they're not all psychologically interesting, like Two Face or mm. Mister Freeze. They're Sometimes it's you just know. a guy who likes penguins. Yeah. See, but the penguin wins because he's got that, like, oh, I remember him from uh, from uh, when I used to watch Batman 66. Yeah, I guess so. But, like, Mr. Freeze is a character that was nothing. Mm -hmm. And they said, uh, ooh, why don't we make him the most compelling villain on this entire show? And, and then the they just did. One of the best episodes of the fucking series. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised you didn't pick that one. I know it was on your short it list. Was, uh, it was, uh, yeah. It was in the running. But, again, I wanted a Joker episode. Yeah, we did both pick uh, Paul Dini episodes. No surprise. That there. that doesn't surprise me at all, man. Yeah. Like Paul Dini has been was been one of my like favorite writers in like this and comics forever. Yeah, he did a run on Detective back in the uh, the two thousand that is so fucking good. Mm hmm. I mean, that's a you know when this whole universe finally wound down, mm -hmm. like that's a good job to give him. Yep. Hey, you you know Batman? Why don't you do this? <laughs> Can I put Zatanna in? Yes, Paul, you can put Zatanna in. <laughs> I mean, not just Zatanna, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to use other guys, too, right? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Well, then they gave him the Zatanna book, so. No, all right. Well, I was going to say, you could you could just take Detective back to its roots and say it's not necessarily a Batman book. Mm -hmm. It's all these Could've... other guys. Like Zatanna. Zatanna and... Her brother, Slam Zatano. Bradley. <laughs> yes. Guys want to talk about Slam, Slam Bradley? Bradley? I bet he appeared in the animated series, and I bet he was pretty good. I'm sure, honestly. But honestly, I, I, I didn't dislike Thorn, and usually he was sort of secondary to mm -hmm. actual supervillains. Like, if you need a guy to be at war with the Joker or with Two-Face or something like that, he's a good, you know. Sure. He's a good choice for that. Like, I felt like that was his role. Mm-hmm. Is to like Two Faces having a mob war. Yeah, but do you want it to be with a more interesting character, or you just want it to be with some guy? Mm-hmm. No, it's like, mostly it's mostly just like whenever he's around, I'm like, oh, this guy could be the Riddler or something. Nah, I like him, and I think he's got a good voice, and you know, I mean, yeah, those stories are less interesting to me as well, mm. particularly as a kid. I remember when the Tim Burton movie came out, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna go go buy some old Batman comics, and I got a whole bunch from that run, and it's like, this is this is boring, more mob this stuff, is, huh? Just the mob. I don't care about that. It's like yeah. when Spider Man fights the mob. I don't care about that. I want to see like. Dumb supervillains in colorful costumes. Yeah. But, you know. Kingpin gets a pass, and I don't know why, but he does. Uh, maybe because, I mean, I, for me, it's because he was amazing in the Daredevil show. Yep. But, but I mean, I liked the character that. before that. Like, I've been, you know. Yeah, but... Prior to that, I didn't care much about him. I liked, you know, there was an issue of Ultimate Spider-Man where he <laughs> insulted, like, it's just uh, an entire page of fat jokes, which usually I, I don't 
I'm not a fan of, but uh, what's the delivery? Yeah, <laughs> where Spider Man just takes a a thing of cards out of his back pocket. And He's like, like, "You, I've <clears throat> I've been waiting a long time to say this to you," and then he pulls out his notes. It's just, it's so mean. Yeah, it's very good. Well, this guy's been an asshole to him for the preceding however many issues. Oh yeah, so he had it coming. But, uh, yeah, and he just wanted to make him mad. But, uh... Anyway, no, I never really <sighs> thought of I never really thought of Rupert Thorne as a villain so much as just part. I don't know. He's just like Commissioner Gordon or something. Sure. He's just one of the regular guys that lives in this world. Yeah, there have to be some. You know, can't spend all our time with Batman. Me at eight. Why not? I mean, this episode barely did, yeah. As you pointed out, uh, your but your good thing is also a character. Oh yeah, um, Arlene Sorkin appears in this as the first and best Harley Quinn. Um, I've been watching some clips from the new Harley Quinn show this week, and I mean it's funny and everything, but anyone else who's not her trying to do that voice just comes up short. Mm-hmm. I think the best like person who's tried and done out okay is Tara Strong, but uh, like. Well, Tara Strong has a, you know, she's she's the go-to if you yeah. need, a, like, a girl cartoon voice. But even still, she's not, you know, she's not her. Yeah, but on it, like, Arlene Sorkin just nails it. And it's nice hearing her again. Well, the, the role was written for her. Mm-hmm. So that's part of it. Number and, one animated character I had a crush on from, like, till... What's, what's the date? Uh... <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Uh-huh. Either. Even a little bit, mm-hmm. like bet- between her and uh, Janine from Ghostbusters. Yeah, I have a type. Yeah, you certainly do. Mm-hmm. <sighs> no, I I like Harley, and there's some. There, speaking of like kids love Batman, there's there's some particularly brutal Joker Harley stuff here. Oh yeah, basically smacks her in the mouth, mm-hmm. and like you know that's it's not good, but it's not supposed to be good. No, like it's very bad. Yes, and. I'm impressed that they get away with as much as they do, mm-hmm. like bringing that point home. You know, I don't know. It's it's a hard line to walk because I don't want to come on and say, "Yay, an abused woman, hooray, they did it right." Because that's that's not what I mean. But the show is trying to show how being the Joker's love interest would not be pleasant. And there are revenge stories later, and there are people who mm-hmm. come into her life later and tell her it's bad. And like it's it's an interesting story of like someone who's gone through cycles of abuse trying to change that and like they you know they deal with it in a surprisingly mature way yeah well you know with you also get into like the harley and ivy stuff which is so good in this show and i love how sort of um like subtly like it's obvious they're into each other Mm -hmm. but they couldn't say it on a kid's cartoon in the 90s and now comics are just like fuck yeah they're fucking yeah we finally got that like super recently yeah it makes me so happy yeah me too uh, that said, she does get another line that I'm amazed got through. Oh God, uh, yeah. <laughs> this is my quote. She's talking to uh, to Bullock, the the, sh- the shittiest cop in in Gotham, <laughs> and uh, she's she's in disguise as Harleen Quinzel, uh-huh. which is her real name. Yep. And fucking Bullock, the detective, maybe should have put together, if not put together, that Harleen Quinzel sounds like Harley Quinn. Okay, it's comics. I get it. You don't get that Edward Nigma is the Riddler. Fine, but but this is her real name. It's not an alias. This is this is what she was before she was Harley mm-hmm. Quinn. You idiot. And uh, anyway, she says this. I think I served you a subpoena once. It was a small subpoena. And it's very good. It's so good. I just don't know how they got away. All I can think is that they must have put in 
like 10 times more bad stuff. And the network just it got exhausted and some got through. That's that sounds about right, honestly, because there are some shows I know that did that. Mm -hmm. that just kept throwing a bunch of stuff out. And like whoever works for the network is just like, well, I think I caught it all. I don't maybe, you know, maybe I missed something. Nope, you sure did. You missed small subpoena. That or it's one of those ones where it's like you can't say small subpoena. Why? What's wrong with it? Yeah. Subpoena is a perfectly good word. Yes. It's a legal word. Mm -hmm. Don't you want to teach kids about the law? Yeah. What's wrong with you? I think you might be the problem here. <laughs> yep. Uh, Filthy so, mind. So my good thing. Yes. All right. I know it's low-hanging fruit, but the voice acting in this show, which we've talked about at length already, mm -hmm. was amazing. And a lot of that has to do with Andrea Romano, the greatest voice actor, voice director, excuse me, in animation, like mm -hmm. in animation history, maybe. She brought us Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, among so many other amazing choices. In this particular episode, we get Matt Frewer, whom I've always loved. We talked yep. about that during um, Max Headroom. Maurice LaMarche in just a bit part. And Robert Picardo in a bit part. Oh, shit. Who's Robert Picardo? Really? He was just like, he had like three lines. He was like, yeah, boss. Like, <laughs> that's it. But that was Robert Picardo. Because even the, even the little guys mm -hmm. are distinct voices that could be teased out to bigger roles if you wanted or at least don't all sound like each other mm -hmm. it's not that same pool of talent you get like i like a lot of those working uh animation guys like uh rob paulson or like frank welker like i love those guys but you hear them in every kid's cartoon yeah, yeah exactly. maurice, maurice lamarche was in this but everybody else was not from cartoons and i like that it gives it a different feel so you're not just watching the same cartoon yeah the people she gets, the performances she gets out of them is just amazing. Like, if I could have any job in the world, it would be her job. Like, I write audio. I direct voice actors. I have access to some amazing talent. I wish I had a larger pool, not because I don't like who I work with, just because I would love to do bigger stuff. Yeah. And I, like, I would love to be able to do what she's done. I'd never be half as good at it as she is, but... This is just like this is my world, you know what I mean? This is yeah. what I love. And seeing someone do it so well is just ah, oh, she's so good. That's awesome. Yeah. She's like there's a there was a featurette about her on one of the DVDs and I always saw her name in the credits, but just seeing them call her out and realizing she's the one who cast like Kevin mm -hmm. Conroy. And and who thought of Mark Hamill when, like, I think he pitched himself and everyone's like, Luke Skywalker. I, yeah, don't, right. I don't know if that's a, and she's like, no, no, give him a chance. Trust me. Mm -hmm. Well, he, had he done really anything major since Star Wars at that point? Like, I'm not sure. I don't want to misspeak. He had, he did the, he did the Flash TV show. Sure. He was, was it the trickster? Yeah, that? he was the trickster. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he had done a ton of voice work. I could be wrong about that, but I, not a lot of high, pro, high profile stuff. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you know, like, only nine years after Return of the Jedi, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker. What, yeah. what are you talking about? Like, no, I, I know remember. what he sounds like. That's nothing. No, I remember. Th that was a big deal for me when I was a kid. Uh -huh. Just because it's like, it, not even just that it was Mark Hamill, but it was like, but but he's a, a regular actor. The, like, can you do that? Yeah. Just come what? in and be like do, a car like, do a cartoon? I didn't know that was an option. And that's what I'm saying. That's a lot of the people she cast are primarily live action actors mm -hmm. who like were sort of doing voice stuff on the side. And yeah. It's a lot more common now, but in kids cartoons back then, mm -hmm. like we talked about this when we, when we covered gargoyles, how cool it was to hear all the star Trek guys. Yeah. But prior to that, you didn't like it happened here and there, but you didn't get as much of it as you got 
you know, into the 90s and after. Mm-hmm. I think this show really kicked a lot of that off. Because, again, there's a lot of great voice talent out there that's very versatile. I don't want don't to diminish that. Mm-hmm. But you can only hear Rob Paulson's 20 voices enough that you're like, can I hear somebody else now, yeah. please? You know? Like, 20 voices is 18 more voices than I have. Let's be clear. But it's still, you know, eventually, like, okay, I've heard all these. Yeah. What else you got? And, you know, a lot of Star Trek guys shows up in, showed up in these uh, in these shows, actually. Trying um, to think of. Well, uh, the Red Claw, I think was her name, was uh, Kath, uh, Kate Mulgrew. Oh, my God, that's right. Is that is that the, the, the villain? I don't remember. I think it's the Red Claw, yeah. Yeah. The, like this, the ninja lady? I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, I, I may have the name wrong, but she played she played a villain, and she mm. was great. Uh, Rene Abogenois, uh may he rest in peace. Oh, yeah. Um, I know popped up from time to time. Um, there are others I am not thinking of, but they definitely uh, Miscellaneous. Did. Yes. Maybe they were all busy over on Gargoyles. Mm. No, I know. I know they showed up on the show. But you know, it's it's just cool to see to hear different voices. Yeah, it's nice. Okay, uh, bad thing. Yes, I have. Oh, Batman was really chatty early in this series. Like when he beats up Thorn in the last act, he says, "That's for pulling a gun, and that's for the drugs, and that's for anything I missed." And it just it feels weird. Like he he used to crack jokes in the early episodes, mm. and like. Before Robin, even. Well, I think there was still sort of... This is a season one episode, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah, think they were still sort of figuring out everything, well, you know? One thing about the show is it covered every possible iteration of Batman. Like, oh, yeah. Whatever your favorite Batman is, they did at least one episode about mm-hmm. him. And I think early on they wanted to start with that. And I don't know if this was intentional or not, but by the time you get laid into this series and then into Justice League and then into Batman Beyond... He gets quieter and more withdrawn, and like by the time you get to like late Justice League, he just beats a guy up and doesn't say a thing. Yeah, and I kind of like even if it wasn't a deliberate choice, I kind of like turning it into that where it's like early on he was kind of there was still some Bruce in there, and he's Mm -hmm. just gone now. I could definitely see like in the early in the early days that like well he's the only person like you know he might as well be like quippy. Which doesn't really work for Batman, but I could see them sort of experimenting with it before they sort of figure out who he is as the show goes on. Well, the interesting thing is early on, it's it's hard to imagine now because this spun out into this media empire. But this see this series was a spinoff of the Tim Burton, the 1989 Tim Burton movie. Yeah. The Joker. It was theoretically supposed to be like the same universe. Yeah. The Joker his name was Jack Napier. They mm-hmm. do say that at one point. And he did fall into a vat of chemicals that, that Batman caused him to fall into. Like they don't, they don't go real far with it. Yeah. But there's a bunch of nods. And Penguin's of course, definitely the, got like that Batman returns. Like he's got like the, uh, the fish. Yeah, fingers. They give him, yeah, exactly. Fish fingers. That's tough. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and of course the main theme is the Danny Elfman theme mm-hmm. and gradually evolved into something unique. But you know, it's it's weird because the movie's fine now, yeah. But it's like this show was so much more than that, you mm-hmm. know. It's just, it's weird. Uh, what else? Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. 
that's pretty much all I have yeah. for this particular one. Um, I did think it was a weird place to end it. Like, he was happy to go to jail. Like, what? What? Oh, yeah, no. Like, the whole thing is, like, he's happy. He, like, everybody treats him well in jail because they think that he killed Batman and, like, brought down the Joker or whatever. And all I can yeah, but think isn't is, he going to have the same problem he had in out in the outside, which is that, that was my point. I'm to, like, yeah. this guy, this guy gets shivved two days later. Yeah, there's a reason again, there's not a second Sid the Squid episode. Everybody wants to be the guy who killed the guy who killed Batman. Yeah, and, and the second half of this episode, he now has the rep of being the guy who made a fool of the Joker mm-hmm. because the Joker tried to kill him and he got away. Yeah, how long and, do you think that lasts for? Yeah. The Joker's got to have somebody like on the inside who's not mm-hmm. an Arkham who could just take care of this guy. That's <laughs> if there's one thing I know about the Joker, he, it's that he is the guy who definitely doesn't carry a grudge. Uh, I mean, he probably would forget. I don't know. I, I I always go back to you know that other episode, the one about the guy who cut him off in traffic. Oh uh, well, and he okay. comes back like ten years later to fuck with him. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, that they're was a, that ones. was another one I was real close to, to picking. Ah, they're all good ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, honestly, along the lines of this episode, I probably would have gone with um, almost got him. Yep, that's a good one too. Which is has a similar tone to this one, but a little little different. I dropped the rock on him. <laughs> it was a big rock. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's it. All right. Well, then let's move on to my choice, Over the Edge. Now, this is uh, technically another series. If you want to get nitpicky about it, please don't. It was started out as Batman the Animated Series, and it turned into, like, the new Batman Adventures. And, yeah, there were some redesigns and blah, blah, blah. But it's yeah. the same show. Come they, on. They, they, they did a bunch of that stuff. It's like, it, fuck off. It's Batman the Animated Series. Well, they did it. They I, I One of the reasons is I think they lost money. You could tell, like, they, they were cutting some corners, and they mm-hmm. got creative with it. And then one of the reasons is so it would... F- meld better with Superman and then later Justice League because mm-hmm. like the look of this show didn't work as well as it did like when they redesigned Batman he fit much better next to Superman and next to all the other guys from sure. Justice League so I think that was a big part of it yeah. but anyway still the same series shut up nerds <laughs> Matt please tell us what happens in Over the Edge okay so we open on the GCPD and Jim Gordon the only good cop in the world chasing Batman the only good billionaire in the world through the Batcave wait what the fuck is going on okay rewind, rewind this I'll come back in so on a routine case busting Scarecrow, the, like, eighth best Batman villain, Batgirl, a.k.a. Barbara Gordon, the only good librarian in the world, gets hit in the back of the head with a big stick and falls off the side of a building, crashing brutally into Commissioner Gordon's car. Gordon and Harvey Bullock, just a run-of-the-mill shitty cop, get out, and Jim discovers that Batgirl is actually his daughter. And he fucking loses his shit. So he and Bullock chase Batman and Robin off, and then they retreat to the cave, only to have the GC to be... GCPD bust in with their standard issue tanks and rocket launchers, ironically donated by Wayne Enterprises. A quick 10 minutes with Babs's computer told Jim basically everything he needs to know about Batman, his friends, and what he gets up to every week. So thanks, Barbara. Next time, try a more difficult password than iHeartDick123. Speaking of Dick, he shows up just long enough to lend a hand and then is almost instantly arrested. I assume they grabbed him by his long, gorgeous hippie hair. With word out that Bruce Wayne is Batman, all his old villains come out of the woodwork, threatening to sue Batman for forcing them into their lives of crime. I assume they all read the same columns about Batman psychology that I did back in the late aughts. Meanwhile, fearing that the GCPD will look foolish for working with Batman for years and now failing to catch him, the mayor fires Gordon. Feeling he has nothing more to lose, Jim hires Bane, Batman's 
tenth best villain to kill Batman. This is a terrible idea because Bane is a bondage luchador, but whatever. They spring the trap at Barbara's funeral, showing that good taste has gone completely out the window, and then Batman and Bane fight it out on the rooftops for a while, and then Bane betrays Jim. What? No. And then knocks him off the side of the building. But Batman saves him because baby Bubba were still friends. And then Barbara wakes up in the Batcave and turns out that it was all just a crazy nightmare and there's nothing to really be afraid of. Except for that fog that turns people inside out. First of all, A-plus Rapper's Delight reference. Yeah, right. I'm I'm sure that was for me. Thank you for that. Uh, Second, it is not hippie hair. It is a mullet. Oh, God, yeah. Nightwing sucks so much, and I love how much he sucks, let's be clear. But he is the petulant kid who went off to college and hates dad. Doesn't want to be called Robin anymore because he's Nightwing and he works on his own now. And I've got a mullet and a jet ski. <laughs> Everything about him sucks. That's I love rough, it so man. much. It's so specific. Like it's so. It's kind of like that uh, Dermot stuff we talked about last. Yeah, week. right. <laughs> Shut up, Dad. Except he is good at his like what he does. Oh yeah, he's he still just, Robin. He, he's but he's such a fucking like. It was such a good way to bring in another Robin. Mm-hmm. To not kill the first one, but instead have him grow up a little and, and turn into a shit. Well, I love them bringing in more of the Bat family, too, as we get further on yeah. in the series. You know, like, I, God damn, I love Batgirl. Yep, me too. And that's another character where they could so easily have made her, like, the, you know, the cheerful sidekick mm-hmm. who's like, ugh, okay, this is, this is not the best. I mean, honestly, little kid Robin, same way. Like, yeah. I should hate him, Drake. He's but just he's so like he's cheerful in a way like mm-hmm. when things start turning and it's like, oh, the cops are after Batman. Well, I guess we're punching cops now. Yep. Like he never thinks about it twice. He's just like, this is what we're doing because Batman's my buddy. Well, that the thing is, Tim perfect it perfectly captures what it is to be a little kid watching this show and wanting to be best friends with Batman. Yeah, he's like eight or ten. Like he's he's not capable of making grown up decisions no, at all. But he like he's a great audience uh like uh identification character you yeah. know and i never i never bought into that argument for kid characters hardly ever but he he absolutely mm-hmm. is you're right like usually the kid's sidekick when you're a kid you're like ugh i don't want to hang out with him i want to see the real superhero yeah but no this robin the other robin was good too mm-hmm. but but tim you know shouldn't be no cuz he's really he really in a lot of ways is sort of like the extreme 90s kid mm mm-hmm. mhm like, he's got his dumb quips, and, and that's part of why Batman stopped quipping is because he's got Robin now. Yeah, exactly. But a lot of what he said is almost, like, almost feels like it belongs on some other show. Not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but just like he felt like an actual kid. I got here I mean? from every other 90s cartoon that's happening right now. Yeah. Like, his the way he's drawn with the big eyes and the, mm-hmm. and the, the sort of spiky hair and the, you know. It's very good. Yeah. but the, And then Batgirl, same way, shouldn't really fit here, but so completely does. Ugh. So good. Yep. And uh, is she? Oh, no. She's not exactly your good thing. I figured I figured she would be, but your, your good thing is a very specific good no, thing. No, there's, um, there's a scene at the end of this episode that is just so good. So after after uh, Barbara gets out of her, her coma and Reese's like, sort of figures out what's going on, she's like, I got to go tell my dad what the hell's happening. Mm-hmm. And ju- the scene is like, I love Jim Gordon. I love Barbara. Go- I love Barbara Gordon. I love Jim Gordon knowing Barbara Gordon is Batgirl because, as he said in a comic I read a few years ago, I'm a detective. Well, it's like I was saying with Bullock in the last episode. Like, you idiot. 
Come on, Harleen Quinzel, you yeah, dummy. Right. But Jim is good at his job. Yeah, exactly. Also, it's his daughter, arguably the person he knows best in the world. Yeah. Of course he knows. <laughs> no, I just let first time she shows up on the rooftop or whatever. Oh, Batman, I see you've met my daughter. Uh-huh. No, and I love... What? No. I, I love, like, the way he doesn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't. I can't yeah. condone this. I'm not allowed to, like... Well, this is basically my quote, so... Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Dad, have a seat. Uh Uh-oh. This is important. It won't be easy for you to hear, but it's about a job I took on recently. Barbara, please. Sweetheart, you're capable of making your own decisions. You don't need me to approve or even acknowledge them. And in this case, I can't. All you need to know is I love you. All of you. And that is all I have to say on the subject. Daddy. Yeah, very good. But just that, like, I I know I'm proud of you. I'm also police commissioner. Try not to fall off any buildings. Yeah, look, this Batman thing is already, like, a... a a shaky like uh, a lot of people don't like that I'm, i work with batman and uh if they knew my daughter was part of his team ugh. but like and i also really love like the whole episode is based around her guilt about not not telling him and it really sort of feels like like almost an anxiety nightmare yeah where, it is an anxiety nightmare yeah, it literally is where it's but where it's like the everything every worst thing that you could imagine yes. happening happens yes. That's why I like it so yeah. much. This might be my favorite episode of the series. And this is my good thing. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's listened to the show with any regularity knows that I hate cop-out endings. It might be the thing I hate the most. I hate having my time wasted. And Star Trek does it a lot mm-hmm. with alternate realities or going back in time and stopping it from happening in the first place. Or it was all on the holodeck or whatever. If I watch a character struggle and experience life-changing things, I want the struggle to matter, and I want their life to remain changed. If I'm getting, like, invested in this emotional ride that they're on, I don't want to be told, oh, nah, never mind, they didn't actually do any of that. And at the top of that pyramid of bullshit lies the oldest and shittiest cop out of all, it was all a dream. And yet, somehow the show made it work. They made a story that very much mattered. It taught us things about a main character that helped her make an important decision. And even though we knew there were too many giant world-shaking things to happen that that just obviously they were going to undo somehow, it still managed to be kind of terrifying because, like Matt says, it's just an anxiety dream. And mm-hmm. once you, you might not vibe into the specific, like, answer, but you know this is all worst-case scenario stuff. And this is pretty late in the series. You're very invested in these guys and like, oh, my God, what if this all fell apart like this? And, like, I hate lazy tropes so much, but the flip side of that, I love when someone can make an interesting story and spin those tropes into something fresh and interesting. It's like when we talked about the Harry Mudd episode of Disco, Mm -hmm. like, time loops in Star Trek were so played out and they made them fun again. Yeah. And this took, it was all a dream and found a way to make it an interesting story. It's... I, I hate saying I never want to see this kind of story again because there's always a good enough writer out there who can make something work. Yeah. And this should have been my least favorite episode of the series. Ugh, that was a, that was a waste of half an hour. Mm. But it wasn't because I understand Barbara so much better now. Yep. And that scene that's your quote made so much more sense when you realized how much 
it bothered her and how much it didn't need to bother her. Oh, man. Well, and I love... I, I love just like you've got this this Jim Gordon who just goes completely off the rails and like like his attempt to bring Batman in and get revenge. And it's like that's not the character at all, you know, but she talks but to him first, for like five seconds. And it's like like this is the anxiety thing. Like I've dealt with this a million times where you like build this thing up in your head and it's like the easiest conversation in the world because this person loved you. Yeah, I get that. And you're not wrong. Nothing is out of character. But on the other hand. The whole thing at the beginning of the episode is predicated on he turned a blind eye because Batman did good stuff. Mm -hmm. But he, you know, assuming he didn't know it was Barbara, realizing how much he loves Barbara and that Bruce endangered Barbara, you could see this happening, at least for a little while. Mm -hmm. You could understand why he would do this. And eventually it just goes nuts. But at first, like, like a lot of good anxiety... Like, I say good anxiety. You know what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's it's grounded in reality. That's, like, that's how a lot of my anxiety gets me, because it starts with something that could be real. Yep. And then it spirals wildly out of control. Mm-hmm. And that's what this was for me. It was like, it started in a place that was pretty relatable. Jim going nuts because his daughter was dead. Yeah. But then, yeah, there's there's no way. No, and and it's so psychologically complex for a kid's show. Mm-hmm. It's like brutal as fuck because she literally falls to her death. I mean, you see okay. her bounce off the hood of the car and it is just nasty. Like the there's crunch. no blood or anything, but just like, Oh no. But if you listen close to the sound effects, the crunch is mm-hmm. not just metal and glass. There's some, there's some body and there's some yep. bone in there. Like they, they, they made that. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if the network said, could you maybe take some bone crunch out of there? That's, that's that's a little much. I was shocked that they sh- like they showed her crashing into the car. Like, yeah, what they do is they cut to the reaction shot of them like wincing as it happens. Yeah, you hear but, the thump and you see like yeah. the reaction. No, she bounces off the hood of the fucking car. Yeah, and it's so yeah. But I they probably got away with it because it didn't technically happen. Exactly. It's like you can get away with a lot, but no, nah, it's a dream. None of this actually happens. I mean, you got cops shooting bullets at. A 10-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought that and... they had shot uh, Nightwing until they cut to him being yeah. arrested. Like, I thought they had just, like, straight up killed Dick. Fucking perforated him. Well, as as you point out in your summary, at this point in the series, Barbara's got a thing for him. Mm-hmm. And that's part of her anxiety, too, is endangering her, her friends slash found family, you know? Like, like, Dick getting killed, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the first draft. Like, yeah. Because that's, like, her real fear is... Her endangering herself leads to endangering the people she loves, mm. you know. So that was good. What I, what I love about the whole tapestry of this of the series these these interlocking series is she had a thing for Dick for a while, then she had a thing for Bruce, which was weird and gross and terrible. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. Which we learn about in Batman Beyond when she's an old woman who is now the police commissioner mm-hmm. and real bitter. Uh huh. And does not have any time for this Batman nonsense. And you find out later, oh, it's because she and Bruce hooked up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Kids love Justice League. <laughs> Just when you think about that, because she was, you know, I don't know. I guess she's in college, but still, Bruce yeah, she's by like this point. she's like 19 or 20. Bruce has got to be like 30, 35. 30, yeah, I would say about 30, 35. Yeah. And hooking up with a 19-year-old, not cool. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Plus, there's the abuse of power thing. He's basically her boss. Yeah, exactly. And her father figure and just, ugh. Yeah. A lot going on there. Yeah. And they're not afraid to say, yeah, we were were involved. Ah. But so good. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that they're not afraid to to talk about that. Well, that's like how bad it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's one of the cool things you get to with with Batman Beyond is just like, here's a guy who made a lot of poor decisions in his life. And, you know, the like the the show is what's left for it. Exactly. Mm, I don't know if it's atoning so much as he's not dead yet. Mm. I I don't think he, he gets much in the way of redemption. One of the um one of the things I love about uh Return the Return of the Joker movie is how like that's the that's the one where it's like things went you know all those characters you love so much things uh-huh. went bad for them. I mean that's when you find out what happened to like Tim and Dick, but but throughout Batman Beyond you get a lot of that. Mm-hmm. It's just like there's there's more of it there, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah no it's uh, Batman Beyond's another one of those things that should not have worked. No. When I it heard about Batman so Beyond, stupid. I thought it was the stupidest fucking idea. It sure is, Batman, but in the future, and he's an edgy kid, and it's mm-hmm. all cyberpunk. Oh, boy. No, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a great it's, fucking show. It is a continuation of this show, mm-hmm. like, in every sense. And it's got a different aesthetic because it's the future, so they do the sort of, like, Blade Runner-y, Akira-type, mm-hmm. like, you know, cyberpunk future thing. But, oh, man. It's, it's great. Like... Bruce drove everyone away. Yep. Ah, oh, it's so good. But yeah, this uh, this episode might have been, at least in this run, like in in just the animated series, the most uh, brutal, over the top, like like the most shocking episode to me mm-hmm. when I watched it the first time. I was I was like in my early twenties when the show dropped, and I just like how how is this a show for children? Yeah, it's one of those times I would have been watching it and like this is the last episode. It's close to it. Yeah. So you could have been fooled into thinking that. Mm-hmm. Like, this is pretty late in the, the third season. You, it's like, is this it? Yeah. Is this how it ends for Batman? That's, that's a hell of a choice. Okay. Uh-huh. But we get so many, like, like okay, yeah, none of this actually happens. But sure. even still, some really good character moments, like Alfred mm-hmm. being noble and, and trying to buy Bruce and Tim uh, uh, time to get away. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So much good stuff. I love how sort of uh, Dark Knight Returnsy they they hide out in a cave by the yeah. water. I that must have been intentional. Oh, definitely. There's no way there wasn't a copy of that uh, uh, trade floating around the the offices. Oh, they they adapted a piece of it in a previous episode. Oh God, that's right. That's so good too. Yeah, it is. Rubber bullets, I swear. Uh huh. Very very good. Fuck, I'm gonna end up just watching this show again. It's so. And again, worth getting the the, the recent uh, HD versions of. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Um, oh, so let's talk about the Scarecrow a bit. Oh, yeah. Because this is ostensibly a Scarecrow episode. He's barely in it, but mm-hmm. he caused all this stuff to happen. The bit before he shoots her with the fear gas where he's just like smack. Well, I guess this is part of the, the vision. Yeah. Like, this is where it starts because she gets knocked off the roof. Yeah. When he's smacking her around with his cane. Mm-hmm. Is also brutal yeah and like, that new and, design like and I'm, I'm gonna get into this in a second but well yeah this is what we talked about when the show jumped ahead in time a little yeah. and like redesigned a lot of the characters this, this is one of the characters they redesigned yeah so like everybody got a, a redesign we got the we switched from yellow oval batman to uh just black bat batman and yeah scarecrow i prefer goes... this i prefer the the black suit to the blue suit sure. honestly um 
but we scarecrow goes from like not a great look at all honestly no. to like the farmer sort of like yeah it looks big, like the scarecrow from the wizard of oz yeah exactly to this big broad shouldered skeleton monster yeah, with, with, a, with an a honest to god noose around his neck yep and he you don't pick you don't get it much of this cuz he doesn't talk much in this episode but that's also Jeffrey Combs Oh, yeah. yeah. So it is. I forgot about that, but not a surprise. No. Another, God, another Star Trek guy. Oh, God, he's so good. Yep. Um, but this was your bad thing was there's there's some uh there's there's a redesign you didn't particularly Oh, yeah, there's a couple other redesigns that I don't care for so much. Um there's a shot when they're doing the whole uh ex-Batman or Batman villains who are going to sue Bruce now that they know who he is. Mm-hmm. And you got Harley, uh the Mad Hatter, uh the ventriloquist and the Riddler's there, and the, the ventriloquist. Riddler, yes, mm-hmm. and the Riddler's wearing his weird 1960s onesie, and it looks like shit. Nah, like, it bother me. come on, guys! Batman the animated series Riddler had one of the best designs on the show. He looked so fucking good, and this just sucks. Eh, I never like the Riddler's one of the few characters that the show I don't think did much better. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't care about the Riddler. I care about Frank Gorshin as the Riddler be, just because that guy was a fucking maniac. But <laughs> the character... I don't know. There's eh. some pretty great Riddler episodes in this. I They're fine. But he's probably my least favorite of, like, the, the main, like, sort of main Batman No villains. kidding. Yeah. He's at least he's top just... five for me. Really? Yeah. Now, take away take away the, the influence of Gorshin and Batman 66. Is he still that far up there? Yeah. I yeah, I, I also own a lot of fucking comics, so. No, I, I know. That's what I'm saying. Is it is it because he's a childhood favorite? Because he was the best thing about that show? Because mm-hmm. he was. Well, yeah. That's one of them. If you were yeah. on Batman 66, I will always have a lot. Like, yeah, in my course. In my head at the time, those were, if you were on Bat- uh, Batman 66 villain, you were important. Like, capital yeah. I, important. Yeah. That's, I'm, you know, that's like your formative years then. Mm. I get that. It's but. like, it was so weird when this show started and I was still sort of like a pretty young kid. Like, yeah. Two-Face just shows up. And you're and, like, who's Two-Face? Yeah, exa- exactly. Who the fuck is this yeah. guy? Well, he's, uh, he's Night Court's Richard Mull. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, oh, like years later, it's like, oh yeah, Two-Face. Like, one of the one best of, villains. Yeah, one of, like, I would say like top three. Mm. In terms of, like, uh, important Batman guys. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just, uh, I mean, they, you know, they famously, I guess, tried to do that on the Batman 66. Harlan Ellison wrote a script, and, mm-hmm. uh, who you know, there's a whole story there, because there always is with that guy. Yep. And they recently made an animated version of that. But, yeah, they, um, made, they cast uh, Shatner. Shatner. Mm-hmm. Which, no thank you. I get it. You're going for the 60s vibe. Mm-hmm. Like, who's a who's a energetic, great guest star from, you know, the 60s? Who, that, yeah. That's still alive. It's really just the one. Yeah. I mean, but most of them aren't around anymore. Is yeah. The thing. So uh, one thing, if you're, if you're not familiar with this series somehow, uh, they managed to do an amazing episode with Adam West. Oh, yeah. Also uh, on my list. Yeah. The, the Grey Ghost. The Grey Ghost is amazing. Yeah. And just it's, like... It's, Basically, Batman, like our current Batman, uh, uh, Kevin Conroy Batman, <clears throat> grew up on a show that's so clearly Batman 66. Yep. And that's part of what influenced him to become Batman, and then he teams up with the real guy. Yeah, they sort of, like, replace um, 
like Zorro's influence on Batman with the Grey Ghost for this show, and it works really well. Well, they do pastiche so well. Yeah. Because they managed to weave in, it's like I said before, so many aspects from the comic that shouldn't fit together. Mm. You shouldn't be able to do a show that can hold, you know, like modern gritty detective Batman, but also campy Batman, but also, you know what I mean? Like, mm. you you shouldn't have him f- going to space with Superman, but also fighting Rupert Thorne. Those things can't all happen in the same world, but, but they did. Yep. It's one of the great things about Batman. You can do anything with him. If you do it right, but... Mm-hmm. Usually you need a whole new creative team. This was basically the same people doing all the different versions of it. Mm. And anytime they found a character that needed a little help, like Mr. Freeze, like, let's make him better. And they did. Yeah. Uh, And into Justice League. Like, Did you ever think you'd think Hawkgirl was a particularly compelling character? Fuck no. I barely like Hawkman. Like, yeah. Never mind his, like... His She-Hulk. Exactly. Which, look, I'm all for more women on the show. I'm not mm. saying that. I'm saying when the women are just the girl version of the male character, mm. it's like you got an uphill battle there. Yeah. Wonder Woman is an original creation. Hawkgirl is just girl Hawkman. Yeah. You know? What and, if Hawkman but girl? Yeah. And they made her great. Yep. She was, I think, Amanda's favorite character on that show or one of them. That sounds about right. I just, and that's, this team just did that over and over again. I love his, uh, Getting off topic a little bit, but I love I love that uh, the show realized that you can smack a guy square in the face with a giant fucking mace, and if mm-hmm. you just have like a little ripple effect come out of it to make it look like it's a like it's Sonic, it's not it's not bad. Yeah, it's a it's a laser mace. It's a laser okay. mace. It's a it's a metal spiked ball. Yeah, you just flattened that guy. That guy's that guy's there not getting be- up. Blood and bone fragments flying out of there, not little ripples. <laughs> Cave that guy's face in. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so coming back to the scene you were talking about, mm-hmm. where where you saw the redesigned uh, Riddler. Um, the show, okay, oh, it, God, had a real, yeah. it had a real timeless quality with its computers and cell phones existing alongside Art Deco buildings and cars with giant fins and blimps. I love that. I love mm-hmm. you can never tell, like, how ago is this? Yeah, TVs are all black and white, like... Yeah, but then the back computer is connected to the internet, mm-hmm. which was barely a thing in the early '90s. Yeah, like they they made a really good effort of keeping like the the world time timeless. It's like the aesthetic of the '40s, but with modern conveniences. Yeah, it's exactly. Perfect. It's it's sort of the best of all worlds, mm-hmm. and I love that. Um, also, how ago is this? Was uh, a riff from a riff tracks from a long time ago, and I cannot stop saying it now. <laughs> What was this? Um, but okay, so that timeless effect is completely fucking shattered when they do the the, the little uh, uh, cavalcade of villains wanting to sue Bruce Wayne, and a Johnny Cochran character comes out and says some dumb rhyming thing. Yeah. Oh God. Okay, this is 1997. Thank you. Low point of a great fucking episode. Yeah, that's like th- the three seconds I would cut to make this perfect. Yeah. Because if that hadn't happened, I don't know if I would have had a bad thing. No, just watching, this is great, this is great, this is great. Oh. Oh, man. And then I got back I, to being great again. I saw in your notes, you said, that's a, like that's a great reference. And I was like, oh, do you really think that? Oh, no, that was sarcasm. I can't always tell in your notes. Mm. Oh, yeah, like, I did, see. <laughs> did, did Matt like that joke? No. Okay. Tone is very important. Yeah, I understand. And my my notes are like it's pretty uh, stream of consciousness. 
No, these are for our reference to go back exactly in the recording. You know, and now we we offer them to Patreon people if you're interested, but we don't like this isn't like a formal composition or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Um, I can't I can't look at Bane now and not think of Strong Bad. Right. The 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 Bane look on this is not my favorite, and I like Bane quite a bit, but he's got like the big spikes and like they they went very uh, uh, BDSM with him, and I don't care for that look. Yeah, doesn't bother me. I don't I don't care for Bane. He's very '90s to me. He's very like tiny head, big giant muscles, tiny feet, like extreme guy who killed the guy that you really like or injured him in this case. And, mm-hmm. So that a different guy is the hero that you thought you loved. Ugh, okay. The thing like, is, he's, was... he, he's like anyone else. He's great when he's written well. He's just not written well a lot of the time. Yeah. No, that whole thing where, like, in comics all at once, Superman died, Batman wasn't Batman anymore, Spider-Man wasn't Spider-Man anymore, Green Lantern wasn't Green Lantern anymore. Like, every single superhero I liked was replaced by someone else. And in one example of these, it would have been fine, but it all happened at once, so I just kind of like, ah, fuck Yeah, well, this. unfortunately, Superman dying made all the money in the world, and... Yeah, I know. Guess who likes money? Well, I'll I give mean, you a hint. Everybody. Everybody in capitalism, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, DC and, and uh, then-bankrupt Marvel. Yeah. I understand. Creatively bankrupt, more like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? Take that 90s Marvel <laughs> fucking clone saga bullshit. Ugh, Lord. Uh-huh. Uh, what else? Mm. I think that's, that's pretty much I all got. I got. Yeah. Dick has a very empty apartment, but... Uh... Yeah. I feel like that, that feels... I mean, he's in college. Sure. You know, he's... he's Go like, for that minimalist <laughs> thing. He's got, like... He, I, I would imagine he would have, like, one movie poster up and, like, a bunch of laundry, and that's about it. You know, like, that's just the age for that. Dick Grayson, that is in his 20s, definitely had at least one Reservoir Dogs poster hanging up in his apartment. Oh, absolutely. Also, he um, uh, deliberately used, like, uh, orange crates for furniture because he grew up in Stately Wayne Manor, and he yep. fucking resents all of that now. So he's like, I can make it on my own. Oh, shit, furniture's expensive. <laughs> Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask Bruce for help. Fuck him. Alfred just... comes over twice a week to dust his Cinderblock bookcase. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, sir. Oh boy. Ah, oh, the Alfred on the show was good. Everybody's so, so good. good. I seriously wish we could just talk about this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Well, I think that's all. Yeah, that's everything uh, I got. Um, we did your quote. Yes, we did. So did we do your that's quote? That's it. I guess. Yes, we did. Oh yes. So that's it. And that is that is all the non Star Trek shows. Yeah. Uh, well, technically next week we're doing one more pair, but this is our normal uh crossover with the guys. Yeah, we're so doing the uh, exactly our uh the our we're Christmas. doing the Christmas special. Yeah. So, okay, here's here's the thing. <clears throat> Every year we choose like we choose something for them to review, they choose something for us. Uh We've gotten in the habit of only reviewing about an hour's worth of television. We're more comfortable doing that these days. Yeah. So, so we've scaled back. We're not We're doing... old and tired now. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think the past almost 10 years of podcasts and over 400 episodes, probably mm. closer to 500 by now. Yep. Like, should should earn us the, the ability to, to scale back a little bit. Sure. Um, so we are now exchanging half-hour episodes of mm-hmm. things. Uh, and 
since it's around Christmas, we've decided, okay, we're going to do Christmas-themed things. So what we chose for them was the Christmas episode of the 60s series, The Addams Family. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a few different versions of The Addams Family. This is the one, the original one. Yeah. Do-do-do-do. That one. And then uh, they, in turn, chose for us something called The Royal Family, which is spelled R-O-Y-L-E. Uh, they referenced this during their last appearance when we talked about Crime Traveler. Uh, and I guess they thought it would be a good idea for us to watch the, one of the Christmas specials. It's the third series Christmas special of that. Yep. So have, having already, we're actually working a little ahead. We actually have already seen it and, and written our, our summaries. We'll be mm-hmm. recording the episode soon. It's something. It certainly is something I watched. Would you say it is like nothing we've ever covered on the show before? I would agree to that. It's not the worst thing we've covered even this year. Nope. It's not as bad as Enterprise, but um, uh, I but I'm not sure what it is. No, we both watched it and we both compared notes because we're like yeah, sometimes it's like okay, I wasn't in the right frame of mind to get this, and Matt will be like, oh no, that was good, and he'll tell me like, Matt did not go, got... oh no, this was good this time. No, but but there have been times. Oh sure, where I just I just haven't clicked with something, and then we talk, and you tell me what you got out of it. I'm like, oh shit, I didn't even look at it that way. Mm. Okay, I can I can see that. In this case, we were both just like, huh? Yeah. So this should be a fun one to listen to. Uh-huh. That that will be next week. Uh, after that, we're doing a supplemental. If you would like to write to us, please do. Yeah, we, please. We don't actually have that much mail to answer as of right now. So uh, postatomichorror at Gmail. We would very much appreciate that. Yeah. And then after that, we're getting back into Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Finally. We're reviewing all the short treks. We'll yep. be doing two at a time leading into the Picard show. So yeah. just about back on track again. Yeah been a long year. Uh, you ain't kidding. Uh, so let's see. The website, as ever, postatomichorror.com. Uh, we have a Patreon, which we have not plugged in quite some oh, time. Oh, shit, yeah. Uh, it would be uh, very nice if you would consider uh, a pledge to that. It mm. is patreon.com slash Algar. Um, there's different tiers if you want to like see our notes or, or what have you. The the money goes into the show. It goes to us. like mm. like uh, Not me. It doesn't go into my pocket. But, yeah, it goes, like, but I, like all of our... Uh, all of our Endeavor actors, people who yeah, do all the voice uh, actors for Endeavor for and, us, and the cover art, and I've uh, been, you know, giving Matt like a paycheck mm-hmm. for the first time in the nine nine plus years we've been doing this. It's it's nice, and, yeah. You know, uh, please, if you enjoy the show, consider consider donating. We'd appreciate it. Yes. Uh, let's see. As ever, we are on Twitter at Algar at Robot Matt, uh, and that's all for this time. Yeah. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Batman the Animated Series Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algarwatt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2019. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this until Star Trek comes back.